podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kalza Show. Not quite the 4-0 thrashing, but my God, Dave Okarigi, that man for the big moment, sends Liverpool on top of the table. Um, happy days indeed, I'm going to hold on to that because Man City have not played yet. It looked like a bore fest a bit, I mean not a bore fest, but a bit of a frustrating um, afternoon at the Molyneux, but you know, big Dave, thank you very much. Guys, 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 uh, I think we're just buzzing off the adrenaline here. And joining me on this podcast, we're waiting for some callers, but joining me on this podcast, I have two excellent guests as always, and it is an honour to have them both on. So without further ado, let me introduce them to you. Oh my God, I even rhymed there a little. Right, okay, first up, I have Kay, returning guest. Kay, welcome back to the Nina Kalza Show. Hey, Ninza, thank you so much for having me back. What what a game of... My throat might be gone, listeners. I, I scream from nothing. <laughs> I scream long. My cats need to be found now, so please forgive me for that. But yeah, let's go. Let's go. And joining joining Kay on this podcast, it's an honor to have this guy on. Um, he is our our financial expert on all things, the host of the 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 Money Talks podcast. It is the legendary Mo Chatra. Mo, welcome to the show. Uh, Nina, thank you for the introduction. Uh, my word, I talk about money a lot on my podcast, but when it comes to Divo Karigi, that man is priceless, Nina. I know. You know what? He, you know what? We haven't got any callers yet, so let's have a little chit chat, right? So Divo Karigi always scores quite an iconic goal, right? If it's not iconic, he don't want nothing to do with it. Um, in terms of feeling a mood. Um, where would you put that one? Because I think, you know, we did have a lot of ball in that game. I felt like we did, we were trying to create chances, but our decision making was absolutely piss poor and we'll get into the nooks and crannies of the game. But in terms of the sheer relief of that goal, where would you put it? For me, it had shades of the Newcastle goal. I mean, for me personally, it was um, not far off um, the Everton goal. I mean, obviously the Everton goal was just... The ultimate in banter, but uh, you know this had a lot riding on it because you know we had Chelsea slipping up earlier in the day, yes. and this was a real big opportunity to put a marker down. Um, you know, a draw would have been okay, but not really because we've had too many draws already this season. And yeah. you know, with Chelsea, um, you know they don't drop many points, so when they do, we really have to capitalise. And I was really you know, sitting there dreading it. Oh no, you know, they've finally dropped some points and now we're going to drop points along with them. And, um, you know, you know, when, when it really mattered, when it really counted, there's one man that, you know, was going to save the day and that was Divock Origi. He's a bit of a, 
bit of a superhero, isn't he? I mean, a cult hero, he's got every kind of status. Kate, um, same question to you. Where would you put that? Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with, like, Newcastle's shout. It's there and there about it. He's got bigger goals for us. Uh, you know, the obviously, the the ones that have won us things uh, jump out immediately. And then that, uh, that Everton one is legendary. It's just he's such a... Like, what's the word? Mercurial? It's so lethal. His goals per 90 is stupid. This man is off the charts. He just like, it's like he saved his energy all the way through his whole life and then just comes on to smack something in. He's, it's absolutely like just mind boggling how he approaches that. And I did have a feeling, you know, I, I had a feeling that something was going to happen. Um, it, it's just that the game was dragging along, dragging along, like you're saying, Ninza, and then. I think with him on the field, he's that guy that you always feel something might happen. Even when, you know, he has that quality, even, even maybe even beyond Mane and, uh, and Jota, even maybe beyond Bobby. You know, Mo, you always feel like something might happen. Um, but him, even when he's not playing regularly, if he's on the field, you just feel like Dibby might pull a madness. He just might. And <laughs> he just did. You know, when he turned and swiveled, you, you knew it. You knew it had to be. You knew there had to be one more opportunity. It had to fall to him. Oh, my word. I'm so relieved and so happy. But, yeah, I would agree. Newcastle, Newcastle vibes. Love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, uh, before we go to our first call, Adele, um, I've got a question from Steve Pizza for you, um, Mo. Um, as a member of the Transfer Committee pod, are you glad that you didn't sell Divi for 20 million? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, after after that, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, my word, you know, every time we kind of get frustrated with him and whatnot, and we think, right, okay, he served his purpose. He comes up with magical moments like that, doesn't he? And uh, you know, he's he's got a special place in all our hearts. I mean, he's obviously not one of our top top players, but um, you know, when it really counts, you know, he just pulls it out of the bag time and time again. And, you know, stuff like that. Some, You know, they say some things are worth more than money. And I, th- I think at this moment in time, the way I'm feeling, Divock Carrigi is just one, one of those types. Yeah, absolutely. Always gets us out of a tight spot, doesn't it, Div? And it's, it's mad, isn't it? Because that, that, that question on a different day gets answered very differently. It's just one of them. You know, it's, he's, he's like a mood-based player. And today, I don't think anyone will want to sell him after that. And... Yeah, just just incredible stuff. I love the fact that that sub actually paid off. Right, we'll go to our first caller. Again, a bit of a familiar voice. Hopefully he's not doing a Tesco shop. Um, it's Del. Welcome back. You guys doing all right? Oh, just a bit my. all right after that. Oh, my God. Mo, we need the Stone Cold Steve Austin music for Diva Carigi when he comes onto the pitch. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, my man came in at least stunned the living daylights out of uh world. Fucking hell. Yeah. You know what? That goes remind me of, you know, you know that moment when uh, the Alliance jumped into the ring and just uh just talked with Steve Austin here so came in and he stunned every single one. Yeah. That's what it reminds me. They're talking me about of. stuff, Nina, that's floating right over your head at, at the moment, I think. Oh <laughs> my Oh my god, yeah, and I'll be brutally honest with you. Yeah, so you guys are talking about the Newcastle game. No, 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 this is more like the Aston Villa game, the title winning season when Sadio Mane oh, scored yeah. the last one at goal. Yeah, that I'm telling you guys now, 
this is the game that proves that we are going to fucking win the Premier League. Yeah, I don't give a fuck what anyone says. <laughs> yeah, um, but one thing I need to ask you guys: What the fuck was Diogo Jota doing? Bloody <laughs> kids! You Connor Cody right in the ghoulies, man. What the hell was he doing? Oh you know my what? god! <laughs> Fucking hell, man! It's like, uh, yeah, the goal's that big, and the one place he hits the ball, he hits the ball onto the ball. <laughs> Fucking hell! But yeah, I mean, um, it, it's a frustrating game, but I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait for you, Man City, to drop points. Uh, oh. To the pain tomorrow, aren't they? Man City. Yeah, they're playing. Yeah, they're playing today. They're playing at Watford, right? Yeah. Yeah, trust me. Yeah, they're gonna drop points today as well. Yeah. Okay. And we're, yeah, we're gonna be top of the table, and we're gonna be flying that crescendo all the way till yeah, we get a hand on the trophy. Trust me. And Chelsea, ha ha, fuck off. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, Dal. Thank you, Dal. Right. Oh, okay. Love that. I love that. Just like we just got, uh, we just really got, we delved into Del's brain there. Um, everything was going on. You know what? Before we go to our second caller, we might as well go there. I am so glad that we're not sat here stewing over the, the Jota misses being a costly, pivotal moment of the game more. I mean, talk to me about that because for me, like he scores a absolutely wonderful goal against Everton where, oh, of course, Pickford could have done better. But like just the angle on that for him to shoot and just to get it in was just absolutely phenomenal. And today, I mean, it was really, really poor decision making by him. Like, like Dell said, he could have just slotted it in any of the corners. He hits it right central. I think he, I don't know if he was trying to be clever, trying to put it between the two defenders. I have no idea what he was trying to do, but literally, like, I don't know if it was mental fatigue. It shouldn't be mental fatigue, but it was bad. And I'm so glad that it's not a defining moment in this result. Well, you know, I've got a bit of a theory on this because, um, look, you know, we, we create so many chances and whatnot. Mm. Jota may have thought, OK, I'm, I'm, we're going to fashion another chance or two in the rest of the game. And, you know, I didn't like Connor Cody. He carried himself like a bit of a dickhead around the Wolves dressing room when I was there. And so let me just kick him in the balls and, uh, you know, make make him feel something uncomfortable. Uh, no, no, being serious, though, yeah, it was one of the most brainless moments of football um, I've seen in a long time. Um, you know, you've got either side of both defenders gaping. He was about, what, three, four yards out? Not much more than that. And, um, you know, the goal was at his mercy. It, was, it seemed like an absolute certainty that he would score. Um, and yet, it, I think on the replay, it looked like he was actually looking down at the ball. Um, and uh, that, that was just bizarre. He just had a complete lapse. And, you know, also, we see it so often, don't we, where players go back to their former clubs and they have an absolute stinker. And, you know, it's just not one of his days. You know, he got into some good positions. And on another day against another team, he could have had a hat-trick. But, uh, yeah, it just wasn't ever happening for him today. No, I think that's fair. And you know what? I like the fact that you kind of highlighted that you watched back on the replay. Because all I saw was in turn, the replay was I didn't even watch where he was looking, which is probably a bit naive of me. So I'll definitely be going back to look at that. But, yeah, he did everything spot on. I mean, Kay... Your reaction and your, you know, when that happened, because, you know, I was like, that better not be the crucial moment. Like, we cannot go out like that in this game. 
It kind of felt like that, though, didn't it? It it kind of mm. felt like we were a little bit cursed. You know, this this was that game where nothing goes in. We weren't going to score. Uh, to be in, in fairness to Jota, it wasn't it wasn't just him today until that miss. Our forwards just weren't connecting. Mo wasn't in the game. I thought, um, what was the guy who was on Mo? I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Ait Nuri, I think that was yeah. his name. Yeah, yeah he right. did. He did superbly. He, I thought he. He, you know, he did really well, but Wolves were helping him out a lot. That that whole defense was on Mo, but I thought the decision making from the forwards that did have a little more space, Jota and Mane. I thought, you know, the passing, some of the decision making just wasn't there today. Despite that, you know, we got a couple opportunities and we really should have scored. That one didn't. That was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous miss. It is. I mean, when you see the angle, Mo is absolutely correct. Just roll it. Just roll it one of the sides, man. And I was oh I couldn't I couldn't handle it and and it was I I you felt at that moment that was just desolation that was it if you're not going to score that you get it into your head you know maybe you deserve to take the draw you don't deserve to take the if you're not going to score opportunities like that and that's a that's a trap really for forwards to to get into you know miss a chance you know, don't get into better positions and stuff like that and um, and also I thought like. Uh, Jurgen Klopp wasn't making subs quick enough as well. I'm just, you know, I was. It's just a lot of frustration. I was feeling a lot of frustration at that time. I'm, I, you're absolutely right, Nins. I, I'm so glad we are not sitting here and and venting about that mess. So it was so atrocious. They're going to be replaying that at the end of the season, and thankfully, we're we're our reaction as Liverpool fans is going to be like, oh, remember that? Remember when Jota missed that ridiculous chance? Yeah. Move on, you know. We, we we're not sticking it. Uh, we we're not sticking onto it anymore, and that that's the good thing. Diva saved Jota there quite a lot, but oh, that miss was bad. It was really bad. I mean, I've got some comments here. Adam Petitione, he goes, there's not enough screaming going on for his liking. Okay, if I scream, you know, the windows will shatter. I give Mariah Carey a run for her money. I'm trying to contain it. Ash for goes, did Tibby realise he scored? Or does he just not know what he what to do after he scores? I mean, he does look a bit oblivious to everything. And I think um, James Milner kind of mentioned that in his autobiography, that he's literally in his own little zone. Um, uh, thoughts on that one, people? I think he's a surprise, does us? <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... One of Divock's um, other kind of very endearing traits is the fact that, uh, you know, all of us can lose our shit when he scores these iconic goals. And yet he acts like it's just, um, you know, the seventh goal in a five-a-side game at the local goals. Um, so, you know, the way he's so nonchalant about everything is just um, one of the things that makes him so great. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's just... Um, He's a one-off, a bit like um, a defender that we might talk about later on as well. But uh, no, D- Divock's just um, a fantastic guy, and I'm, I'm so delighted that he's our player. <laughs> did Absolutely. he did he go back to get the ball again, like like he did against Everton? Like, oh, we're gonna go to the restart, guys. <laughs> did he did he actually celebrate this time? I wasn't really watching. <laughs> we were too busy now with little celebrations. Uh, yeah, I was I was running around the living room. <laughs> But yeah, did he did he actually do this one? Did he did he know what the what the scoreline was? Remember the Everton one where he just like kind of goes back to the back of the net, grabs the ball as if as if he's just got the equalizer, and now we need to get the winning goal. <laughs> he's such yeah. a character, man! Wow. Yeah. Don't ever change, Divock. Don't ever change. Okay, so um, that was Della first caller. Let's move on to our second caller, Nigel. Um, 
hopefully he's joining us. Nigel, are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, there we go. Uh, good morning from Australia. Um, I'm ecstatic but and relieved at the same time because that was a so frustrating game. Um, I agree with you guys on the, the comments about Jota. I'm not sure what he was doing. I think he... I, the only thing I can think of thinking about it after I after the game is that maybe he thought that both of them were going to split and dive to either side or move either side. So he thought that if I look to the corner, they'll move that way and he can just put it straight in down the middle. But yeah, I'm I'm not sure. He should have gone for the corner either side. I, it didn't really matter. Um, just a thing I wanted to ask was just on... Um, Oh, and on Divock Origi's celebration, yeah, he knew he'd scored. He had a big smile on his face and he was doing his slow jog to the corner no, okay. as he does because, yeah, he, he was um, he was, he was was pretty happy. He had a big smile on his face. But uh, anyway, the question I wanted to ask is when it comes to January, it's going to be I, – I, I think we're going to be um, semi-struggling because obviously we're going to lose Salah and we're going to lose Mane and we're probably going to lose um, – uh, the other one, um, Kater oh uh, as well. Yeah. Now, the th- front, the front I'm thinking is probably going to be um, that's going to see a lot more game time. I think is going to be Firmino because I think he'll be back by then, and I think it'll be Divock Minamino as well with him. Do you think that's going to be good enough to get us through January? Well, luckily, this is a really, really good question. And I had a lot of anxiety about this, Nigel, but I've been looking at the fixtures and I am going to come to care first on this one. Thankfully, in that period, that front three does look likely. And I think Minamino's been getting a lot more game time. Obviously, I think hopefully Roberto Firmino should be back. But in the league, I think we've only got three games. Hmm. Which is handy because all cup games, and you know how I feel about cup games. <laughs> Yeah, I think Klopp feels the same way. <laughs> Just stop it off. But yeah, as I understand it, yeah, it's only two or three games that they'll miss. It could be a pivotal two or three games, though, because we have at times this season relied on our front three quite a lot. So I think it's a pertinent question from Nigel. I, I, I look and I, I think I commented uh, two weeks ago, but, you know, at times we've relied on our front line, the defense not all the time, I'm not saying you know it's a constant issue, but there have been moments where the defense hasn't been uh, looking absolutely impregnable. And it's uh, it, it, when you have a front line of Mo, Mane, Jota, and those lads, you know, they, they do bring such a lot to the game. I think the plan this season, though, from uh, Jurgen Klopp, uh, and this is to do with his rotations, his, his starting lineup mix-ups and stuff. I know today was he, he, he didn't make any changes, but I think the increased rotation in all forms is to plan for stuff like that. Get people involved, have them in, in the you know the correct sort of uh, fitness and uh, mindset and intensity, and and get them you know uh, along the games. But what I do know is that I don't you know I I can't see at the moment unless some special player becomes available and at some special price. I don't know if Liverpool is going to get any recruitment in on that. You know, Mo is probably a better one to ask uh, than I am. So I, mm. I think it's going to have to be that. And and my feeling is that 
that and the midfield will be able to get us through. I just look at what's happened today and know we haven't played you know, super well in terms of the forward line. But if I can draw attention to like the number 10 position today, the number 10 position at times was filled in by every single member of our front line, of our midfield. You know, anyone could, could find themselves in that position. Even Fabinho was there. We've gotten Trent involved in that position a lot more recently. Even Matip at times, you know, when he steps out, he finds himself in the 10 position. But I want to highlight that the, the forward positions are extremely fluid. And I think part of that, especially this season with Trent moving more into the middle and that sort of stuff, is to not hopefully by the time AFCON comes around to rely so much on that forward line. So I am hopeful. I'm hopeful that uh, we would be able to cope during that period. Excellent stuff, Kate. And Mo, I'll come to you. I'd like to get your response on the initial question from Nigel and the points that um, Kay's made. They're obviously highlighting the fact that goals, I mean, I know we got one goal and it was from a forward, you know, but these, since I've been back on, on the hosting scene of things again, you know, we've been winning comfortably like with by four goals and, you know, the 4-1 against Everton, but uh, goals have been coming from everywhere and, uh, you know, that is pleasing in itself to see. It kind of reminds me of the season that we actually won the league. And also your comments, what Kay just said about um, recruitment. I, I don't think we're going to get anyone, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Okay. Um, so first in terms of January, um, initially I was quite concerned about the fact that, you know, um, two of our best three um, forwards are going to be going away for several weeks. Um, but then I had a look at the fixtures and I thought, OK, well, you know, if we can convince um, Egypt and Senegal um, for Mane and Salah to stay with us um, through till the Chelsea game, which is on the 2nd of January, then it's only actually in all likelihood two games, two Premier League games that um, both of them will miss. And, and the games at that are not the worst either. We've got Brentford at home. Yes, Brentford causes issues quite considerable issues at their ground uh, a couple of months back um but you know at anfield um i think it's saturday 3 p.m kickoff as well i would fancy our chances um and against crystal palace away um that's um, an afternoon game at two o'clock sunday kickoff i believe um so again it, it, it's a tricky one i mean but we generally tend to have a good track record at um celeste park these days so you know had we had um, you know a couple of the top six in amongst that, then I'd be a lot more concerned that you know just those two games alone might have thrown our title challenge off. Uh, but I think that with a front line, um, albeit for two games of perhaps uh, Bobby Jota and Minamino, uh, with um, the almighty Divock coming off the bench, I'd, I'd like to think that that should be enough to get us through. Now, in terms of recruitment. Um, I, I agree with you. I don't think we will be recruiting in January. Uh, generally, tend not to try and do that. Um, I, I think we almost certainly will try and sign an attacking player, uh, but um, you know, I think that that will be left until the summer. And um, you know, I, I think that the club has known about this um, for quite some time and has planned accordingly. I mean, if we have one or two um, horrendous injuries, so if, if Bobby is out, if Jota is out and we're only left with uh, Minamino and Divock, then, you know, the club may be forced to um, reconsider its option. But I think at this stage, going out and um, buying in, in January is unlikely. Cool. And um, Adam Petitioni there, um, more I'll stick with you. For the three matches, which should be OK, the Chelsea match just before they leave will be crucial. Obviously, I think that could potentially be... Um, 
a very, very important one. Gordon um, could have his time to shine in Mo's place. You know, you've mentioned um, the, the calibre of the teams that will be playing in, in that time. So, I mean, your thoughts on that? I mean, yep, I think it is. Um, who are we playing in January, right? So you've, you've said it's uh, Brentford and who's the other team? Um, so the, the first game in January is Kelsey, uh, Kelsey away on the 2nd of January. Um, and I'm hoping that um, Manny and Salah can stay for that. It's still a week before the start of the AFCON. So I'd like to think that we can convince their respective countries to allow them to stay for that game. And I'm sure we will. Yeah, 15th of January, it's Liverpool-Brentford, isn't it? Yes. And then yeah. the 23rd is Palace away. Palace away, yeah. Because uh, um, uh, Adam's next question was, um, will Everton, um, would Liverpool versus Leicester play into that? But that's the 9th of Feb, so I think they should be back by then. That's right. So it, that game is three days after the tournament ends. So in the highly unlikely event that both Senegal and Egypt get, get all the way through to the final, um, even then, you know, that match is a good three days after that. So I'd like to think in the interest of... Liverpool fans that, you know, Senegal and Egypt have absolute stinkers and, you know, both places can come back home early. But, um, yeah, e even if they've managed to get all the way through to the final, um, the final still happened before the Leicester game. So, guys, um, just to answer Nigel's question really quickly, I mean, we'll get back to the game real quick. Um, in terms of starting um, the, the front three, realistically, who do you think it'll be? I think it'll probably be along the lines of Jota, Firmino and... Um, I'm going to say it's going to be a rotation-based system between uh, Minamino and um, Bivok. Yeah, I, I think um, I'd fancy Minamino certainly to start against Brentford, um, mm. though he might be tempted to go with Divock against Palace um, just because they're a, a bigger, more physical team and he might want to have uh, a bit more height um, with Divock being on the pitch. Um, mm. But yeah, I'd certainly suspect Minamino would be the one to start the first of those two games. And what about UK? Yeah, it might be it might be a case of where he can fit these players in, right? Because you want Bobby playing down the middle. He's not going to be one of the side players, which uh, who, which kind of takes a spot. And then you have Jota, and Jota wants to go down the middle or come in from the left hand side. And so Origi also. If he's going to play any two positions, he's going to play those two. And then you have, you know, you've only got Minamino left to play on the right hand side, really, um, un unless you want to kind of put Jota there, put Divi on the left. So I think he's, he's going to make these decisions kind of based on the right balance at the right time. But just, you know, more generally, I've got this, you know, I've got this strange feeling. He kind of, if it's the right word, trusts Divi a bit more than Minamino. So I think Divi will play more during that period. You know, if, if there's a toss-up, I'd expect Jota and Bobby to to kind of nail their you know positions down. They've always been um, they've always been there and they're about in the starting lineup uh, more or less when available. So yeah, yeah, I, I feel that it's it's, it's going to be the two of them, and then they'll they'll try and get Divi on Minamino might be the sub more. No, oh, excellent stuff. Uh, Nigel, I'll let you have a final say and then we'll we'll move on. No worries, thank you very much. Um Yeah, I just thought it was interesting um for that for that period in January because nobody really talked about it and it's coming up. So um but just on the game, um again I thought it was just a very frustrating game. I mean, some of our passing was a bit wayward. Um, you know, it was a bit 
a bit there was a, quite a few mistakes in there um it just looked like it just didn't look like they were like 100% switched on tonight they i mean the stats will probably maybe prove me wrong or something but i mean visually it looked like a very choppy game it looked like we were like second or third gear we hadn't we nowhere near clicked into into top gear and you're right about that the goal when we scored it after their guy on the on their um left side went off that uh El Nuri Ait Nuri sorry um we, uh, Mo then got got some uh got some grass to run in and that's where that's what cost them I think the game uh if they'd still had Ait Nuri on there I don't know whether he Salah would have had that space No I think that's a very fair shout Nigel thank you so much for your call No worries you're welcome Okay, guys, so that was Dell and Nigel, our callers. We're just going to take a quick break and we'll be back talking more about this game. Enjoying this podcast? Then why not supercharge your support for the Reds with Anfield Index Pro? With around 30 premium podcasts every month, AI Pro offers the very best reviews, reaction and debate on all things LFC. From the acclaimed statistics and deep dive analytics found in our Under Pressure podcast, to the transfer links, scouting reports and fast live reaction shows we record after every match, AI Pro is home to our very best content. With regular appearances by Reds legends like Jan Molby and Sir Kenny Dalglish, plus insight from journalists, sports scientists, coaches and psychologists, we'll help bring you closer to the club you love. There's never been a better time to take AI Pro for a test drive. Available on all popular podcast platforms, with free apps for iOS and Android. You can try it absolutely free with no strings attached. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com to start your seven-day free trial now. And we're back. Welcome back to the Nina Kauza Show. Uh, we are still, still buzzing off the Divo Kavigi goal. And we've, we've dealt with the caller portion of, of the pod. And now it's just myself, more Chatra and Kay. So we're going to carry on talking about this game. Guys, um, it's just us three. We're just going to go a bit everywhere. I think we go back to front on this podcast because it is post-match. It's live. It's raw. So we're just a bit everywhere. Plus, I'm not the best host. I, I own that. Um, team lineup exactly the same as it was against Everton. I'm more happy with that because I was. Oh yeah, I was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this lineup's been purring. You know, all eleven have been um, you know performing very well over the last several weeks. So. Yeah, it, it would have not been a sensible thing, I think, to have changed it at this stage. Um, so, you know, no, no complaints whatsoever on that front. No. Uh, what about you as well, Kay? I mean, they they performed so uh, wonderfully. They switched off for like twenty minutes against Everton, but I think everyone pretty much deserved their start. I think you know, maybe Matip maybe looked a little bit ropey at times. Um, I just think because he's not been playing an awful lot, but today he, he, I mean, I'd like to get your thoughts on on the team lineup. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody could really object to uh, to naming the, the same team. I was a little bit surprised, and it would be interesting to see how Jurgen Klopp handles it going forward. Like I said, there's been a lot more rotation this season. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what he does in the next game. But, uh, I mean, certainly you look at that, especially uh, down that midfield, which is the place where we can chop and change the most uh, sort of during the season where we have the most uh, uh, reinforcement and you know that seems to be a settled good midfield a lot of flexibility uh, a lot of options there a lot of ability to control the game so yeah I mean it was um, it, I, I, I thought it was great you know do that get get a set back for going get it you know get your midfield set and stuff like that maybe 
maybe this will be like more or less the template and then you can rotate into there. But this is this is the kind of the team that Jurgen Klopp maybe wants to put out most of the time, uh, at least 90% in some iteration in every game, if, if possible. So... Yeah, I've got no objections to that. It's, it's nice to it's nice to see a, a, a sort of settles eleven, and um, yeah, I was absolutely happy with that. Yeah, and sticking with you, I mean, we were speaking about you know um, our front three and maybe being a bit wasteful. K, I mean, one thing that kind of really frustrated me about the game as well was um, to some degree was maybe the time wasting from Wolves. You know, um, obviously they set up in a way to sort of contain our attack. I completely get that. I respect that, you know, uh, pretty much um, three at the back, full-backs doing defensive work as well. But just the overall kind of time-wasting, it was almost like they were playing out for a draw. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. It was, oh, that was so frustrating. I think there were a few things with the with the way we played there. I think Nigel is absolutely correct in what he was saying in that I don't think it will show up on the stats, but our passing wasn't great. And the reason why I think it doesn't really show up on the stats is because it's not like the pass wasn't completed, but the, they were always like, for, you know, the whole game, there was at least one pass, like every every sort of uh, uh, pattern of play where, where the person was just one or two meters out. Somebody has to run or stretch to get and kill momentum, you know, constantly. I thought that was in part us, but in part that was because Wolves had the defense really well organized. I thought they were cutting our passing lanes super well. And then on the other side, when I think as the game was going along and Wolves started realizing more and more that they weren't really getting a lot of chances. I mean, all their best chances came off of, I think, offside situations, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I think, you know, in the second half, they really did start to tire. That is the one thing that separates Wolves and us for all they've always been very difficult to break down, but it's just the fitness. They, they we always get to the last quarter of the game, and Wolves seem to struggle a little bit with with sort of that that thing, which is normal in the Premier League. The teams aren't as fit as Liverpool, um, really. So, it you know it was that, and the, the the frustration of both those things, I think, was a purposeful tactic, really, to try and get Liverpool less and less patient in the build up more and more wasteful, more worried about uh, Adama Traore. And we kind of were worried about him, right? We took a couple of yellow cards trying to keep him quiet. Mm. So it it was so frustrating. It gets so aggravating when teams do it, I know. But then, you you know, you can't really blame them as as infuriating as it is. Mm. Especially Raul Jimenez doing freaking keepy-uppies with the ball boy in the corner there. Bruh, if I was there, I would have thrown my slipper at you, <laughs> honestly. What are you doing? Why would the ref allow that? I thought the ref also, in some respects, was just taken. Oh, he was like on holiday sometimes, you know. It, it's just that the calls weren't, weren't always great. And uh, I, I thought a lot of the time, um, he just missed like a lot of simple things. But all of that together, I thought, contributed to, to the feeling of a malaise happening in the game. Somebody also mentioned that perhaps because of the starting lineup, uh, no changes in the starting lineup and playing two uh, quite important games uh, in terms of intensity so close together, maybe the legs weren't there in a couple of players as well. So all that contributed. And I think the time wasting was Wolves looking at all those things all together and going, it's not, it's not Liverpool's day. Let's make them more frustrated. Maybe we can just cement this. Who knows? Maybe a frustration results in a, and a yellow card becoming a red card, maybe we can get an opportunity like it. You know, just let's just do whatever we can. 
I felt it was more coordinated after a particular period of time. No, I think that's fair. And what about you, Mo? I mean, what did you make of that? I mean, frustrating. It was frustration sort of piled on with the frustration. So I'd like to get your thoughts on, you know, just how uh, Wolves set up and, you know, the the, the dark arts of a uh, time-wasting tactics. Because I think Kay is absolutely spot on. I mean, if if my team wasn't overly, was playing a great team, I know people, as Liverpool supporters don't like it, but if that's the only way you know, I mean, you would do it. But they were practically doing it from like 20 minutes in, like 20 minutes from the final whistle, which I found a bit bizarre. Yeah, well, I, I thought it was even earlier than that. I, I thought that you know, even you know, early in the second half, you know, there was some you know, egregious time and Brady should say uh, time wasting, and um, you know, I, th- I think they were very happy to uh, play for a draw, and for them that would have been a, a big result. I, I thought that um, you know, earlier on in the season, Wolves uh, looked to be a little bit more um, open minded in terms of progressive play. Um, you know, I thought that their tactics under Nuno um, increasingly became very dour, very cynical, um, and very, very boring to watch. They they really were just not an attractive team to um, watch. And uh, and I would have sympathy with Wolves fans if they weren't a bunch of. Uh, but anyway, um, so with with um, their tactics today, you know, it was very much about you know going back to that kind of Nuno style parking the bus, you know. Their furthest, I mean, I was looking at average player positions and um, the only player that had an average position uh, beyond the halfway line for Wolves was Huang. That was it. Everyone else was behind the halfway line. Whereas in contrast, our players, average position-wise, eight of our ten were beyond the halfway line and into their half, into the Wolves' mm-hmm. half. So that shows how dominant we were in terms of uh, possession and um, in terms of uh, controlling um what was going on on the pitch. So, you know, we were very front foot um, minded and, uh, you know, clearly Wolves' plan was to kind of catch us on the counter and, you know, that that's why their their go-to ball was always Traore. Um, but I, I thought that it was very cynical and I was so glad that we got that goal right at the end because, you know, it was so, so um, obvious the kind of time wasting that was going on, you know, um, with Nuri and uh, I think Cody and um, the goalkeeper even Jimenez. And so, you know, the fact that we scored so late on, it meant that all of a sudden, all of these cramps and all these other imaginary things that they were experiencing, um, well, they had no time to um, kind of uh, all of a sudden recover miraculously from all of that uh, because, you know, we we only had one or two more minutes of the game left and uh, that made it all the sweeter. It did, absolutely. And more, I'm going to stick with you. So uh, we'll go to the midfield now. So the midfield of Fabinho, Jordan Henderson and, of course, Thiago. I mean, what did you make of that? Because I am loving the fact that I am seeing more and more of Thiago. I'm loving the fact that his game time and involvement is getting longer and longer and it's being stretched. But I just love the composure and control that he has in the middle of the park. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on him. Yeah, I mean, it was really evident today that, you know, you know, most of the team now looks at him as the guy to kind of be the kind of uh, conductor, the orchestrator, pulling the strings. And, um, you know, a lot, a lot of the play was going through him. And I, I think that's great. You know, he is somebody that has immense talent. You know, he's just such a precocious talent. And, you know, that, that kind of goes without saying. Um, and I thought, you know, Henderson, who had an unbelievable performance in midweek, 
Um, you know, again, you know, um, put in a, a very solid shift. I thought Fabinho had his um, slightly rocky moments this this game, uh, and a bit like um, you know, in, in midweek against Everton, where again he had a kind of a dodgy 10, 15 minute spell. Uh, but again, generally he he was pretty solid, and I, I think with this with this midfield, um, you know, we are. Uh, very well placed, and obviously we've got some, uh, you know, key midfielders to come back as well, like Naby, for example. So I, I think, um, you know, we, we are certainly very well stocked in the centre of the park, and I think that, um, you know, we've got a very, very big test coming. Obviously, we've got a number of games coming up um, over the next several weeks, but you know, that Chelsea game already, even though it's about four weeks away, there or thereabouts, seems like a very pivotal game, and so I really hope that you know we can go into that with. Um, you know our strongest midfield because I think that um, you know the game possibly could be won or lost in the centre of the park. Absolutely, and Kay, I'll get your comments on on Thiago, and then I'll go to um, a birthday caller. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, I, I thought Thiago was kind of one of the reasons why Wolves ended up dropping back. I thought in the beginning of the game, Wolves were testing the waters, if I can put it that way. Um, I totally hear what Mo's saying. They have been a little bit more progressive without losing that defensive solidity that they had under Nuno. Uh, they have been getting good results this season, uh, Wolves, quietly, sort of the sleeper side, I said on Tadza's show. Um, and yeah, I thought in the beginning, they, they were just testing to see what was going on. And Thiago in particular was just taking the game a little bit away from them. Not not totally, but on a one-on-one basis. He was, he was not allowing them to get really close um, the, I think it was taxing to see the to see you know him looking this way, passing that way, and and all that kind of stuff. Just pulling the strings in midfield without really be, being able to get close, and that that really contributed to them just dropping back and dropping back, and eventually it became a back five. Um, I thought, yeah, Fabinho, uh, he did well today. I, I just thought sometimes he looked a little bit. Um, what can I say? It's not really panic. It's just, it was hasty, uh, especially when Adama Traore got the ball, that kind of thing. I know he took a yellow for that. But I, I thought he was, you know, he had a lot of good moments and and then he was, you know, a lot of okay moments, but, you know, he's not fully there. Um, but it allows the two of them, I just think, allow Jordan Henderson to run up and down and, and do whatever he needs to do, specifically supporting uh, Mo in the attack is really important for us at the moment and fulfills a really important gap that way. This midfield has, like I say, a lot of a lot of things in it to allow us robustness, flexibility, solidity, all the things together. And you you can really see why it continues to start. And you can see why Wolves just chose after a little bit of time to just not really, really mess with it. You know, they just dropped back. So yeah, you can see why it's getting the plaudits and uh, you can see why Jurgen Klopp is choosing to stick with them game after game. Yeah, I've just got a quick comment from Steve Pizza before we go to Cam, the birthday boy. Uh, Steve Pizza here, kudos to Klopp for changing the shape with Divi as well. We sometimes criticise him for not, so he deserves the kudos today. Yeah, absolutely. I think very few people would uh, disagree with you on that one. But yeah, that midfield looks like, I think someone made the point that we only saw it, I think it was on the last Nina Kalsa show, that was the last, the you know, it played together like against Everton last season and then obviously we got hit with injuries and then obviously our midfielders having to play in defence and everything, we just got completely shafted. So it's good that they're getting some kind of um, minutes together and they're forming some kind of chemistry on the pitch. Right, let's go to our 
caller. It's Cam Bridge, birthday boy. Happy birthday, Cam. Are you joining Yay. us? Yay! How are you? I bet you enjoyed that. Did you? Yeah, 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 Sounds a bit off. <laughs> um, I just want to thank 31,000 who came to my birthday party today, the one of you. Um, I'm sure everyone enjoyed it, especially the good folks who support Liverpool Football Club. Eva, you're a fucking musician, baby! So, yeah, there might be some loud uh, videos of me circulating on Twitter right now. Please ignore them. They're not made, they're not popped up. I'm going to get out. Oh my, now they're just going to get out. I just want to say a big um, fuck me to Wolverhampton Whoopies Football Club for fucking, 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 every single second of that second half, fucking motherfuckers, I fucking hate every single one of them, bastards, singing sign on. Fuck you. There's a higher fucking unemployment rate in Wolverhampton, you fucking yeah. kids. Fuck you. Sorry. I needed to get that off my phone. He's got it off his during the game as well. Oh, what a day it's been. Yeah, I'm telling you, day. I've had the best days. I saw Fargy. I've been with Gag. Um, I saw Liverpool go top of the league. Somebody for an hour or so, but yeah, you know, went top of the league. You know, still it's said that after the West Ham game, you know, he's top of the league again. Cheers, guys. You know what? Your sounds, your sounds a bit off. Um, is it me or did they sound like they're on helium? <laughs> they sounded like they were underwater. Yes. That and Dalek. We got the emotion, though, right? We got the emotion. Can you hear us again? Can you, can, you, can you hear us again? That's a bit better. Can you, can you hear us again? Are we yeah. back? Are we back? Okay. And it looks like Cam's phone locks for no reason, so it's a bit shit. But anyway, uh, what happens with Android is rubbish. But um, yeah, it was, it was, I think winning last minute is always... Probably one of the best feelings, isn't it? Poetic justice for all the time wasting that the goal came right at the end. Absolutely. Your sound's gone again, lads. We get the gist, though. The takeaway, we should have won anyway. Yeah. Negative tactics, that's what you get. All right, we're going to leave you now, but thank you, bye. You know what? Lowering the quality in the transition. How dare they? Well... (laughs) And you know what? A special shout out to Cambridge and a special shout out to Gags Tandon, who absolutely hates Wolverhampton and gets great joy in beating them because they are his hometown team and the fans are great. And everyone's laughing their heads off because the lads have been on helium. So kids, do not do the helium. Bad. This is what you sound like. <laughs> and, uh, that, that call was like the definition of just vibes. <laughs> we just we, we got the emotion. We got the emotion. We got it all. Um, let's carry on talking. I mean... Mo, I'll, I'll come back to you. Uh, Defence, what did you make of them? I felt like, I think I think it was Kay that maybe touched on this as well. They didn't do a lot. Well, no, they didn't have to. I mean, yeah. again, this was all about Wolves being very cynical. Um, you know, it's very rare for them to get um, into our final third. And, you know, sorry to go a bit of stats on you, but um, their XG for the whole game is, you know, 0.13, three shots a goal. 
that's about mm. as dreadful as you can get. So it just showed, you know, that they had really no interest in trying to win the game. It was for them all about nullifying us and um, being very happy to settle for a draw. Um, but, you know, our defence, though, um, you know, though it didn't have a great deal to do, um, you know, the, the man for me, um, aside from Divock, obviously, was Joe Matip. I mean, he went on these kind of Maradona-type um, Maisie runs, um, yeah. you know, from midfield. And, you know, I thought, OK, if he scores one of this, this would be probably the greatest moment in the history of Liverpool Football Club. And, one, you know, his time will come. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a couple of nearly moments, but... You know, it's only a matter of time. One of these days, this run going past six, seven players, scoring from 20 yards out, and then just waving his arms about and taking off in the air. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. What's this space? I mean, what do you make of his leggy runs, Kay? I, I know you're kind of built quite similar, but I do love seeing <laughs> you know what, okay, I'm just going to run the pitch. And he just runs. He looks dead leggy. He looks like he's not in control of his limbs, but God love him. It was a few weeks ago. I don't know what the stat is now, but the the, the players who have carried the ball furthest um, at, with the ball at their feet, a few weeks ago, I think number one was Adama, two was St. Maximum, and three was Joel Matip. <laughs> because the lad, he just goes. He's like, you know, he sees it open up in front of him. And I, I see um, Virgil also, like, watches what's going on. And he sees if there's a little bit of space in front of Joel, he'll just put it there. You put it in front of him and you say, you go on, lad. Go <laughs> run these bastards. And they do. So he, he just, and he, he gets up the field. And I swear that dribbling is not what you'd expect. And no one ever expects it. And he, uh, like I said, sometimes he was in the number 10 role. I so want that. I totally agree with Mo. I really want to see him dance past five player. Stuff on into- as well. If Virgil's putting yeah. the ball in front of him, I think Virgil's on the same hymn sheet as you two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think he's like, go on, lad. Go on. They, they don't have nothing on you. <laughs> These are shit. There was, there's this thing with the, the South African rugby coach. Um, there's a little video going around where he calls over to one of his players and he goes, this guy here, this guy here, get him. He's cuck. <laughs> it's just, you don't expect to see that in like elite sports. And it's kind of like what Verge is doing <laughs> to, to Joel. Go on, lad. These... <laughs> these guys are nothing go but he that he's so successful at it you know and I, I think he's very aware of the fact that he gets to a certain point in the pitch and he's supposed to pass the ball and then he kind of turns around and and looks around and nobody really reacts to what he's doing you know they're all watching him say, oh, oh you know Joe's on his run again but uh, I think if they did he'd, he'd be able to put the ball into much more dangerous positions as it is he kind of he kind of gets to the end of him Turns around, passes it to somebody. One day he's not gonna. One day he's just gonna be like, if you aren't gonna run, I'm gonna do it. (laughs) He's gonna hit one to the top ends. And that day I'm going to lose my voice. That day you will lose your voice. And I've got an analogy for that as well. You know when a toddler starts taking the first steps and they let go of the furniture and they take a few steps and they start running uncontrollably and then they realise what they've done and then they fall on their backside. Anyone that has yeah. kids will know this. They just, you know, like they, they realise what they've done and they fall. And I feel like that's where Joel Matip is right now. When he realises he's gone too far in, in the opposition's half, that's where, you know, the, the, the decision-making doesn't quite come off for him. And, what, and as the toddler progresses as the child progresses they go further and further and we're just waiting for Joel Matip to just absolutely you know uh, put it top bins past the keeper 
watch this space could only be joel it could only be joel because i wonder if he like if he talks to the attackers the opposition attackers like during corners and stuff and says things like did you know a banana is actually a herb and stuff like that and they just go what and he confuses everybody and, and that's why joel matip doesn't need any pace to do anything he's always in the right place this man is a genius we need to catch up <laughs> we do need to catch up right guys uh, let's carry on chatting uh, Kate, anything from the game that you kind of want to talk about? Because um, is there anything you want to get off your chest? Because I felt like another thing that I, I noticed as well was um, Jose Sarr looked like he had a really good game. But I think it was largely down to the fact that, yeah, we got a lot of the ball. We were having a lot in the attack. I felt like today in terms of playing as well, I don't know, the pressing seemed a little off. We weren't, we weren't pouncing on the second ball. But I just felt like maybe that loads of men in the box as well because we're talking about the defence and how up, they were pretty much set up to defend. But it just felt like, um, you know, the decision-making wasn't the best and it kind of was on par with the fact that there wasn't enough space for our attackers to kind of exploit the area. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the two of them. Uh, I mean, I was speaking on WhatsApp groups earlier and somebody was saying, you know, Wolves really deserve the victory. These, you know, these are um, friends of mine that kind of don't support Liverpool or watch football. And, you know, I was looking at that and going like, well, you know, you could look at that from a particular way. But when you watch the game just once and that first time, there's a lot of emotion attached to it. You're not actually looking at it. You don't actually take into account. This is what I always try and pay attention to is how many, you know, proper chances is a team creating? It doesn't matter if they have possession. It doesn't matter if they have territory. Are they creating those chances? And that XG that Mojo said now, that was, you know, that absolutely adequately demonstrates the threat from Wolves. They only ever got through us on offside, uh, offside encounters. And then when you take into account that uh, here in South Africa, we, I, don't know, I don't even know who the commentary team were, but they were bloody awful. Um, they were saying things like, you know, Connor Cody is the only Scouse voice on the field now. And I'm like, Brad Trent is right there. <laughs> um, but they were, they were saying, you know, they were commenting on how much possession Liverpool had in the first half. And then early second half, they were commenting on how much possession Wolves had. And it was literally like after a corner and a throw-in. And then they were saying things like, oh, Liverpool can't get out of their own half now. Dude, it's been two minutes. You know, it's, 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 so I think those things together kind of skew your perception of the game. But really, I think when you look at the, the amount of chances we actually had towards the end of the second half, beginning, um, towards the end of the first half, the beginning of the second half, it really, for me, puts uh, the game into context that we should have at least scored one. You know, by the you know by the time we got to the to the last knockings, we should have had a goal on the uh, a goal on the board, and that would have changed the whole context of the game. Wolves are not equipped to really come out and do anything, especially if we didn't need to press them so high. And that really highlights what you're saying. You know that why didn't we get into those positions? We couldn't really find a way to get more win. When Mane and Jota had the the ball, they were the choices weren't that great. There was a lot of giving the ball away, you know, and that kind of thing. It was just it was just at, at, at a point very aggravating to watch. You know, Mane also missed the city, as Dal was saying in the chat earlier. Um, the, the, there was a lot of profligacy, but even before that, man, even before that final ball and the finishing, but just so bad today, like right up until DV scored. It was very, very taxing to watch, to be honest. It was. And Mo, I'll come to you. I want to get your thoughts on that as well. I hope it's just like a, a one-off situation rather than it becomes a trend because 
at this point in the season, we can't see that again. I just hope it was just a, a one-off freak kind of situation. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I think it was. I mean, you know, we, we are due one. All, all teams have one. You know, City, you know, Chelsea, they have these off days. And today was ours. And I'm glad that, you know, we were able to pick up three points on that off day. And, you know, we, we go into a big game of sorts next week where we see the return of Stevie Junior's Aston Villa team to Anfield Saturday um, on the 11th. And, uh, you know, I think that's a game at Anfield, Stevie coming home. Uh, we want to put on a performance and, you know, I'd much rather we have an off day um, away against a team like Wolves um, than at Anfield um, when we see Stevie G returning. Um, but I, I think we have to give a bit of credit to Wolves as well. I thought, you know, I mean, clearly their, their tactics were very transparent and obvious, um, but I thought that they executed them very well. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we still nonetheless had some very good chances and, you know, perhaps and should have uh, won by a bigger margin. Um, but they did certainly frustrate us. And, you know, they have been, um, as Kay touched on earlier, um, you know, defensively very sound recently. You know, they, they um, you know, beat West Ham, who had a very good performance, you know, against Chelsea today and beat us not long ago. And, um, you know, they have been defensively, uh, you know, very, very solid. So, you know, to, to get through that defence that hadn't conceded in something like, I don't know, 400 plus minutes, um, was was a good outcome. So, you know, I'm, I'm pleased that we were able to get away from what is, again, becoming a bit of a tricky um, away fixture um, in the Premier League, um, coming out of that with three points and going into um, what will be an emotional game next week against um, Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa, um, you know, with three points and overtaking Chelsea as well. And even if we finish today in second place, um, you know, it's certainly feeling very tight at the top and I think we're well placed to uh, go all the way this season as well. So, you know, it's, it's encouraging because, you know, another draw today would have been very deflating, not only for us fans, but also for the players too. Absolutely. And um, <clears throat> currently live, uh, Man City are leading against Watford. Come on, Ranieri, your boys do something. Uh, we can all <laughs> hope. Uh, live podcasting to you guys. Um Kate, anything you want to add from the game before we kind of close this off? Because I think we all want to go back to the game and watch other things. No, I thought I thought it was you know it was fine today. I it was it was like an off you know it was an off day. Uh, we haven't had one in such a long time. To be honest, for me, my outlook on the I'm just happy I didn't jinx it because I sent my predictions into Tad's for Tad Predictable, and what I said was. Uh, my heart says West Ham will draw with Chelsea. My head says Chelsea will narrowly win. And then that happened in the Chelsea game. So you can thank me for jinxing them. But then I uh, I thought Liverpool would end up 3-1 winners against Wolves. And I tell you what, going into like extra time in the game, <laughs> I'm looking at that going, oh no, did I jinx this? <laughs> so I'm just happy I didn't stuff things up. Um, I've got to be more more um, more careful about how I predict things. But I, th- I think generally from the game, you know, the, the profligacy, the uh, the uh, decision making, uh, you know, everything. I wouldn't have a lot to defend and, and that sort of stuff. But recently, the results have been so good. I was actually worried a little bit before the game that at times complacency does kind of creep into Liverpool's game. You know, we've seen recently Jurgen Klopp make substitutions to try and get the team intensity back up, which has been needed. Uh, but that can, I think we can just rule this, you know, one out as it's a once-off. We've got the three points. We've worked hard for it, and that's going to see us, you know, in the next few games as we'll just keep that intensity up. 
And we can, in terms of performance, I think just draw a line under this and move along. Wonderful. I like that summarization. Bad day at the office, but we still get three points. We're just going to ignore your prediction, Kay. You still got the three points. That's all that matters. Maybe when you met three, you met the three points. Got to spin it on a positive. Uh, Mo, what about you? Any final takeaways from the game? Anything that you observed that you feel that needs highlighting before we go on to man of the match? Um, yeah, just to kind of echo a point that I think Gags or Cam uh, were making earlier on, um, which was about the Wolves fans. I mean, honestly, I mean, amongst the Premier League, I mean, there are several fan bases that I really don't like, and most Liverpool fans don't like either. Like, you know, you know, Chelsea being the obvious one, but the Wolves fans are right up there. I mean, they're so lacking in self awareness, and you know, the whole um, sign on, you know, that I think Gags mentioned is just a classic example of a lack of self awareness. So the fact that, you know, we were able to kind of silence them right at the end with our travelling cop, you know, cheering and um, you know, giving it giving it to them, I, I thought was beautiful. So, you know, that, that they deserve that, the Brexit wankers. So there you go. Happy days. <laughs> yeah, I think Gags will double down on that one. Guys, let's move on to Man of the Match. Mo, I'll come to you. Who was your Man of the Match and why? Well, I mean... There were no real outstanding performances from all the rest. So I think that given um, such an iconic goal from an iconic player, um, the enigma that is Divock Origi for me is much of the match. I think that's fair. What about you, Kay? It's difficult to look past Divi. I, I think I might give a small mention to Thiago. I thought in small ways he started taking the, the game away a little bit from Wolves. But uh, in addition to kind of what, what Mo was saying there, I think... You know, Div comes on and his whole performance was really good. Uh, I thought he did really well from the time he came on all the way through to his goal. So uh, I, I think there's one option here. I have to give it to Div. I think that's fair. And I don't think many people would grumble or disagree with you on that one. Div Okarigi is the man of the match on on, on this uh, podcast. So happy, happy days for him. And um, again, a massive happy birthday to... My good friend Cam Branch, I hope you enjoyed that. Right, guys, before I let both of you go, I need some plugs. Uh, Kay, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me, obviously, I'm, I'm on Discord, where you can find me on Twitter at uh, the underscore KYLN. And yeah, hopefully I'll pop up on a couple of pods uh, here and there. I'm, 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 a, I'm a floater <laughs> this season. So uh, yeah, watch out. <laughs> Watch out. Yep. The more we get up here, the better. And what about you, Mo? Um, where can people find you on Twitter and where can people find your work? Okay. Um, so I'm at Mo Chatra on Twitter. And uh, I normally tweet about boring stuff like finance. So and if you're interested in stuff like that, then please give me a follow. With um, podcasting, um, I had a recent Money Talks Out um, about um subject of cryptocurrency, which you know our uh, godfather himself, Gags, is, is uh, very interested in. And uh, that came out, I think it was last week. And then in the next week or so, I'm due to come out with another podcast with a chap called Omar Chowdhury, who is Chief Intelligence Officer at 21st Group, um, who are involved in uh, the business side of football as well. And um, so those are um, always interesting pods if you're interested in some of the off-field stuff that goes on in the world, world of football. Do check them pods out. They are absolutely insightful, educational. Um, more chatter as always keeps it highbrow. And I'm sure as the season progresses or towards the end, maybe when you have a quiet spell, you might do a transfer committee podcast with the main guys. Um, I always enjoy them as well. So check both of these two guys out. They are incredible. 
a massive thank you to both of them. A massive thank you to all our callers. We really, really appreciate your input. A massive thank you to everyone that joined us live. All your input in the chat box would not be a show without you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back again with the next show. Uh, Take care. Till next time, up the reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.